Welcome back. Welcome back. To Killer Queens. Yay! Episode 29. It's my last one. I knew, you, I knew she was going to do it. <laughs> I look forward to it. It's my happiness. So what are you going to do when you're... Oh, it's just like life when you get to your 30s. It's all downhill, huh? It's all downhill. Yep. No <laughs> um, way to make the word 30 more fun than it already is. Turdy. Oh. Is it fun? I like it. Okay. We'll give the it a shot. went up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys get to hear Turdy for 10 episodes now. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, uh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Your face. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. I don't have words. I don't know. Anyway, so. Whoopsie. Um, all right. Wearing the baby. Just so you guys know, wearing him so you're going to hear him breathe probably. You're also welcome for that because it's precious. It's the teeniest little breathings. Okay. Just be quiet and let, let people listen. Oh, it's so cute. It's so little. Okay. So um, today we're going to be talking about the case of Alice Ruggles. Um, and I'm going to forewarn you, everybody, that I'm going to start it and go through the entire case. And then I kind of have a personal story that sort of goes along with it a little bit. So if you don't like hearing personal things, you can just shut it off after the case is over. I won't blend it in with the case. Um, just to keep that, you know, completely separate, but, um, just so you know, that's going to happen. So this takes place on October the 12th, 2016. Um, well, that's when it culminates. So I'll kind of start back with the relationship beginning. So in October of 2015, Alice Ruggles, um, receives a communication via Facebook from Lance Corporal Tremon Dillon. He goes by Harry. Um, and this is in, she lives in Scotland. Um, and he moves back there after, cause he's in the military. So he moves back there after his tour or whatever. Um, but this is where kind of everything will take place. So He'd seen a photo of her that a mutual friend of theirs had posted, and he commented that she was the most naturally beautiful woman he'd ever seen. So after that, they kind of start talking via Facebook. They're messaging back and forth. Um, he was stationed in Afghanistan at that point, and he was in a non-combat role. And he would send her flowers and notes and chocolates, and she would send him care packages to Afghanistan. And then when he came back to the UK from Afghanistan, they met in person finally, and then they were like, together, together. Um, they started dating officially, and friends and family had, they described Alice before Harry as outgoing, confident, charismatic, um, and then once she started dating Harry they said that the Alice that they knew began to kind of fade away. She became more isolated. She was more self-conscious. She became timid. Um, her roommate Maxine said that over time, and especially towards the end of the relationship, she lost a lot of weight. She got really pale. Like she was just kind of a shell of herself basically. And how long were they together? This happens over the course of a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's crazy how someone can change so much in that. I mean, a year is a long time, but it's not that long. Right. Yeah. It's not like 
after 20 years, you know, she right. ran away or something. Yeah. So in the beginning of their relationship and since they started talking on Facebook, I think this makes it really easy to portray yourself any way that you want to be. Like you can be really romantic and seem really caring when all you have to do is send messages and it's not like you have to see them every day. You can hide those parts of yourself that you don't want them to see. And I mean, in the beginning of relationships, everybody's kind of on their best behavior anyway. But um, once he got back to Scotland, he got more and more controlling. Um, He would be really like aggressive towards Alice. He was really possessive of her. Um, and stalkers and abusers tend to reveal themselves. It's kind of like this layer by layer sort of thing. I feel like, cause it's like, you know, in the beginning, they're going to do what they need to, to get you hooked in, in the relationship. And then they're going to start coming out the way that they really are little by little. And that way it kind of seems like if you get upset about something or if you're like, this doesn't seem right, then you feel like you're making a big deal out of these teeny little things, like making a mountain out of a molehill. Because they are super manipulative of a situation or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's because if they just treated you that way all the time and all at once, you would be like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm breaking up with this person. They're horrible. But you get attached. And as that attachment grows and they seem like they're doing really sweet things, like he would mix in being aggressive and abusive and manipulative and all these things with sending her flowers and sweet notes. So it's like, well, he's like sprinkled in with all of these. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, if he didn't, if he was mistreating me, he wouldn't send me flowers. And if he was, yeah, it's just another way to like mind fuck you basically. Mm -hmm. Um, please don't say mind on this. That's, I'm sorry, it's offensive. that's offensive. Yeah, yeah. please don't. Do um, so, and I first heard about this case on Sword and Scale. So if you haven't listened to that episode, um, it's episode 104 of Sword and Scale that he covers this case. It's really good. I love Sword and Scale. Oh, man. They do a f- fantastic job. I don't know what I was trying to say. I think I was trying to say phenomenal and fantastic. Anyway. Fantastic job. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, um, but what Mike... Boudet, who is the host, says when he's talking about like how he would send her flowers and chocolates and stuff, he said that that stuff is normally obviously is associated with romance and caring and, you know, whatever. And um, he said that those same things can, in the hands of the right person, be twisted into tools of abuse. And I was like, that's really well said, like just because Harry used those things with Alice Exactly like you said. Well, if you really cared about me, he wouldn't send me flowers. Like, or if he didn't care about me, he wouldn't send me flowers. Like, obviously, he cares about me and he really loves me. And it's just he, you know, he had a short temper this time. Or, you know, you'll make excuses for them. You'll defend them because you've got all these other things that you're like, but when it's good, it's good, you know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I just kind of like the way he said that. Yeah. So Harry began emotionally abusing Alice and controlling her pretty soon after he returned to Edinburgh and, um, and he lived about two hours from where she lived. She lived in Gateshead. He lived in Edinburgh. So 
her friends and family talked about incidents such as Harry making Alice uh, get out of the shower. So I guess he was at her apartment. She was in the shower and he had to go to the bathroom. So he made her get out of the shower naked, wouldn't let her get a towel, and made her go stand in the kitchen until he finished going to the bathroom and then he let her back in. So but is that just like a power and control thing? I guess. Like You have some experience with that. You did get a towel, but... it was a beach vacation an elderly grandpa who really needed the bathroom only when i was in the shower but spoiler alert she did get a towel so it's fine yeah um so they also said that um he would like degrade her for dressing provocatively in public he would say you're dressed too provocatively. Like, who are you trying to impress? Obviously, you're cheating on me, whatever. And then if she dressed more conservatively, he would get mad at her because she obviously didn't care about dressing nice for him. So she because, didn't do anything right. Yeah, because obviously she was cheating on him because she didn't want to dress nice for him. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he made comments about her nose. He made comments about the hair on her arms. She had dark hair, like, naturally. Um and she was beautiful. Well, and you started it by saying that he he was quoted saying she was the most naturally beautiful person he had ever seen. So mm-hmm. it's like... And then it becomes not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he nitpicks it and pulls it apart or whatever. Yeah. It's like, and then she feels not good enough, which right. is his whole thing. Because then once you feel not good enough, you feel like, you've, well, you've got to stay with this person because... Who would want you. Exactly. Um he would always accuse her of being unfaithful to him. Um, he would actively try to make her jealous of other women. So like one, uh, her, I guess her birthday came up during the time they were dating. I mean, they were dating for a year. So at some point during the year, it was her birthday (laughs) and, um, you have one every year. Mm. And, um, he told her that Victoria's secret models were coming to his base that day and was trying to make her really jealous of like, Oh, you know, what's going to happen. And I don't know all this stuff. And, um, how just, emotionally unstable. The relationship yeah. Was. Just really hateful stuff. Just like trying to make her upset. And he would like, um, very like dramatically like pull hairs off of his uniform when he would get to her house or whatever like that clearly weren't hers you know blonde and she was dark-headed or whatever like rubbing it in his her face that yeah um so you know and that kind of stuff like again this is her family and friends looking back on it so they're like well there was this one time that this and there was this one time with that so you know it wasn't obvious to anybody and it wasn't even obvious to alice it wasn't things that made bruises or marks on her skin or anything like that, but it was his strategy to make her feel that she was at fault for anything that happened to her, that anything that he did, she deserved it and that she wasn't enough without him. And he wanted to make her believe that all of these things that happened were small. So in the summer of 2016, Alice discovered that Harry was cheating on her And she ended the relationship. So it is reported that it was at this point that Harry began stalking her. Um, I think he probably was stalking her way before they broke up. He was probably watching her all the time. And um, he had hacked into her Facebook. He had hacked into her social accounts. He'd hacked into all kinds of stuff. So, you know... Um, And I think he had done that when, like, when his family, her family talks about it later, 
they're like, you know, they were dating. So she would use his computer as iPad if she stayed with him or they went on a trip together or whatever. And he would use that to, you know, keep her logged in or, you know, kind of in the back end, go in and find her passwords. And then once he did, he hacked into all of her stuff. Um, so he would use that to figure out where she was going to be and who she was talking to and stuff like that. So scary. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to tell, like, if he was being weird and following her and doing weird stuff, like, if it's your current boyfriend, you probably don't consider that stalking. You're like, oh, he's just here, but he's always here. But, you know, it's, it's possible to be stalked by your spouse. It's possible to be stalked by your boyfriend, like, or girlfriend or whatever. Um, he wrote her a letter So this is after she's broken up with him. He wrote her a letter telling her that he was going to marry her and that she was going to have to deal with him for the rest of her life. (laughs) That's romantic, right? Yeah, does that work? Um, He wrote her poems, uh, one line stating that he cannot accept that it has ended. Um, He called her repeatedly numerous times. It's his fucking fault. He cheated on her. I mean, obviously, it was not a good situation from the beginning. Right. But it's like, oh, I just love it when people do that kind of shit you know they cheat on their significant others and then they're like this isn't fair i don't want this to happen like well maybe you should i'm not ready for it to end yeah well and you know every relationship is different and if somebody's been cheated on and both parties are getting through it and whatever then that's fine but i just feel like you know but if she cheated on him what do you think would have exactly well he accused her of that the whole entire time which obviously guilty conscience but it's like right yeah um he so they said that, like, in the last few weeks of her life, he had called her, like, over 250 times. Good just, God. like, over and over and over. He would leave her these really long, like, rambling voicemails. Um, he would show up at her house uninvited and unannounced. He texted her obsessively. In one text, he said that he would cut his arm off to be with her, and then he'd write her a letter in his own blood. Like, Whoa. what the fuck? Um... That's like some Vincent Van Gogh shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's really creepy. Um, he left her, like, really weird voicemails. He would say, I don't want to kill you. Like, her roommate, Maxine, listened to one of the messages, and she said she remembers him using the phrase, kill you, like, six or seven times at least in one message. Like, he was saying, I don't want to kill you. You think I want to kill you, you, but yeah, I don't want to kill you. And it's like, yeah, why are you talking about that? Nobody else is talking about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've got a, we've got an upset baby, so we'll see what happens here. Um, so at that point, obviously she began to start fearing for her safety. Maxine said this is when she really started to lose weight. She kind of became frail. She was like scared all the time. She was constantly like looking over her shoulder basically because he would show up all the time like the middle of the night he was there um so and she just started showing really bad like severe signs of anxiety which i mean you can't blame her so in the fall of 2016 she went to visit her sister in germany and she met a new guy um she met a british army officer named mike and they began dating so and maxine was like she was finally happy. Like they got along so great. They were so good for each other. Like, you know, she was like, I just hadn't seen her like this with a guy because 
She was so wrapped up in... Yeah, when she was with Harry, it was a completely different situation, and this was actually good. Like, she started to become herself again. He let Mm -hmm. her be herself. Yeah. And um, so, of course, Harry found out about this, probably because he was logged into her Facebook, um, because she and Mike did communicate via Facebook as well. And he became obsessed with it. He would talk to his friends and wanted to know, would show them pictures of Mike, and is he better than me? Do you think he's better than me? Like... The answer is yes. Yeah. Aren't I better than him? And like all this stuff. He um, tried to break them up. He sent Mike a Facebook message telling him that he was still dating Alice. So he's like, look, I'm just trying to be, you know, like not trying to be rude or anything, but just want to let you know, like Alice is still dating me. I know that she's dating you. So obviously she's playing one of us. Um, Can you just tell me what the situation is with you two? are you really dating? Cause she's still telling me that she's in love with me and what a creep. Yeah. Like, and of course all of this stuff is not true because she's only telling him, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he logged into her WhatsApp and actually forged messages between Harry and Alice. So he wrote messages as if he were Alice to himself, to himself and then screenshot them and sent them to Mike and is like, look, see, I can prove it. She's texting me, telling me she still loves me and wants to be with me. And Alice was really upset about it. Maxine said she was like, well, now I've lost. Now I'm going to lose Mike. Harry's going to make me lose Mike. Like, I really like this guy and I want to keep dating. He's not going to date me anymore. Um, and Harry's plan totally backfired on him. And Mike, I think, kind of took up this like, OK, well, I don't want you to have to deal with this guy like he believed that Alice wasn't still talking to him so I think it kind of kicked in his more like I want to protect you sort of thing and it actually strengthened their relationship so once that happened and he realized they weren't going to break up he got desperate he started so now we're into September of 2016 like the end of September and she's killed on October the 12th (gasps) so not mm. only a few weeks at this point. So on September the 30th, he left her another message begging her to call him. And when she didn't respond, he drove to her house and knocked on her windows and doors. And when she didn't answer, he left flowers and chocolates and called her again from the road. She didn't answer again. <laughs> Talk about desperate. She didn't answer again. And so he left her another message and he said, um, he like in this message, he's trying to come across as like sincere and apologetic. And it's just really weird because he's like, look, Alice, I know you don't want to talk to me. Um, and that's fine, but I wanted to bring you flowers. It's like the least I could do to apologize for still contacting you when you don't want me to contact you. And it's like, don't apologize for that just stop contacting her like, like just respect my wishes do. and just stop yeah so and that's like way it's over overkill at that point you know what i mean like i don't know i've never had that situation happen obviously and you know fortunately but um when you're so done with something and you're like dude just stop yeah and they won't and then it looks obviously like you said desperate but it looks pathetic it looks yeah. uh it's scary it, yeah, yeah it's just like stop like it's you're not helping yourself at all whoa (laughs) yeah so he actually lived like 
almost 300 miles away from her. So it's not like he was in the neighborhood and dropped by. Like, he drove however long it takes you to drive three hours there. Hmm. Like, here, that would be a few... I mean... (laughs) Time's the same everywhere you go. (laughs) So is, like, time... Oh, it's the same? It's the same. In the UK? Oh, okay. Um, An hour's an hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's however long it took him to drive almost 300 miles, which would be, like... However many kilometers or some shit. Oh, right. Yeah, they do kilometers there. That, that is different. Yes. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, it's not like he was just in the area. He drove a really long way, three hours American time <laughs> to get there. So, you know, um, and, you know, he was doing that to make a peace offering, quote unquote, waking her up in the middle of the night. This is like 1230 in the morning that she calls the police. So, and he had just left. And she had been not, he had been knocking on her doors and windows. Like, obviously he's trying to bother her. For sure. So, um, after this incident, she finally called the police to report his behavior. So she dialed the non-emergency line there, um, which would just, you know, be like calling the local police department. Um, so it's about 1230 on Saturday, October the 1st. And we've actually got that call, so we will play it now. Hi there, um, I just need a bit of advice really, um, more than anything. Um, so I split up with my boyfriend about three months ago. Um, since then, I, I know that he's hacked into my Facebook and also my phone. Um, he's been sending me a lot of messages even though I've asked him not to contact me. And um, basic, basically like just messaging my friends and things um, and then tonight he's um, well I had a knock at my door and well he'd, he'd sent me a message saying I've been in the garden since five I had a knock at my door um, and then when I went and looked, I've got like a little you know the thing that you can look through um, and there was no one there and then it happened again um, two or three times and then um, he's come round the back knocked on my bedroom window at the back of my flat, ground floor flat, and um, he's been outside and he, he's, like, left um, some flowers and chocolates on the, like, outside window, so I'm, like, he walked off, he's not done anything, but I'm just, I'm concerned, I've been putting off, like, my friends have been telling me to call the police, I've been right. putting that off, but it, I just feel a bit, like, shaken up tonight, so... Well, it's, it's it can be classed as harassment. Yeah. Yeah. If you do any contact from him, there's a number of things you can do. Yeah. You can go to a solicitor and take out an injunction. Yeah. Keep him away from you. Yeah. Or report it directly to the now, and we can issue him with a pin notice, which means if he ever comes near you again or contacts again, he'll be arrested. Okay. So, which would you prefer? Can I, um, Try that option, please. Yeah, of course you can. I've yeah. Your name, please. Pardon? Your name? Oh, sorry, um, it's Alice. And your surname, Alice? It's Ruggles, and um, that's R-U-G-G-L-E-S. And your date of birth? The 24th of December, 91. And what's he called? Um, Harry Dillon. Um, 
his actual name is Trimen, which is T R I. Sorry, what, what's this? Harry Dillon? Because I wonder what So, what, what's his name? Well, his name's Harry Dillon, um, but he's he's got like a a seat name, which is Trimen. Right. So, what what name does he go by? Alex? Harry. Yeah, Harry. Harry Dillon. Yeah. How are you spelling the Dillon? Um, D H I double L O N. Right, and how old is he? Um, 25. And where does he live? Um, he lives in Edinburgh. In, um, oh, he lives in Edinburgh? Yeah. So he's like driven down. me about that call is lots of things. So the operator tells her that she can visit what they call a solicitor and take out, which is our equivalent of a restraining order, or they can serve him what they call a pin notice. I think that stands for police information notice. Um, and it's basically just a letter warning him to lay off because she's contacted the police. So it would just say, She's contacted the police, she's not comfortable with this, you need to leave her alone. Right. And But there are no repercussions for him at all because you know like it's it's just right. like it's not actually hey quit le- yeah it's just like hey stop it um but they say it's her choice and i mean it's it's ter- when you're in that situation you're already scared and so then when you finally take the step and she says in the call my friends have been telling me for a long time to call and i haven't been ready to like i haven't she's been nervous to and she finally does it. So, well, and I feel like too, and this might be somewhere where you're getting to, but I'm not going to let you because I have to talk now, right. but I feel like it's kind of like now this is her fault 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're putting all of the the blame and the um I don't know, the guilt, the responsibility on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's her problem to Yeah, that's basically. not fair. Right. Yeah, and it's already like scary enough to make that call because you feel like you're making a big deal out of nothing. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're taking it too far or, you know, whatever. And so she calls and says, I need advice. Like, tell me what I should do in this situation. And the guy says, well, it's definitely harassment. Um, But then he says, okay, you tell me what you want to do. So somebody in that situation is pretty much nine times out of ten, they're going to go with the lesser option, whatever the least invasive, the, you know, because they don't want to inconvenience anybody. They don't want to make a big deal, you know, that kind of thing. But I feel like that should have been, that would have been a good place for whoever to like counseling in a way, you know, like, listen, this is not something to take lightly. Like you really need to. Yeah. I think this is what we need to do. We need to get, you... she's asking for advice. Exactly. We need to, which I guess at that point, the restraining order would have been the higher option, which is still isn't that great to me, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so then they say, well, we don't have any available appointments that day. So this is early morning Saturday or like late night, Friday night. So he's like, oh, all the Saturday's appointments are taken. Um, so we'll just schedule for Sunday. And she's like, okay. Again, dismissing her. I mean, I'm sure that that only drove home in her mind. This is not that big of a deal, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll just wait till then. So that would be October the 2nd. So then almost a week later on October the 7th, she calls again because she received a letter that day from Harry. So it was October the 3rd. And Harry would have already gotten that pen. Right. It was October the 3rd. He got the notice. And then he said, (laughs) and then he said, um, who cares? And he sent her a letter. So she calls the police again and she says, I got another letter from him. We've done the pen notice thing. He sent a letter with pictures of us together and, you know, all this stuff. And the operator that she talks to then says, well, is anything in the letter threatening? She's like, well, no, it's not threatening, but it's... It's harassment. Yeah, he's still (laughs) contacting me. And, And, you know, let's be clear, even if he doesn't say, I'm gonna kill you now because you've contacted the police or whatever him continuing to contact her after she contacted the police and had them serve him a notice is threatening. Mm -hmm. Like that is threatening because it's, it's him saying it's a blatant fuck you to the whole thing. Yeah. Saying this isn't going to protect you from me. Like I'm still here. Yeah. So the operator asks her if she wants to have Harry arrested. Well, why is that even, why do they ask her? (laughs) They're basically like, okay, what do you want us to do about this? So she's like, well, and I feel like that to me is the equivalent. And I feel like we've t- touched on this before, maybe with the Catherine McKnight thing. I mean, Kathleen McKnight. Wait, what was <laughs> I'm like forgetting it's Kathleen, wasn't it? I can't remember. Oh, God. Shit. I can't remember. It was um, the Austri- Australian cannibal. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. I don't know how I forgot her name. I think it's Kathleen. Catherine. Anyway, but anyway, um, <laughs> I think it's Catherine. I don't know now. <laughs> I've just been watching the staircase, and her name is Kathleen. I yeah. think that's where I'm getting it. But anyway, um, it's like I feel like, and I don't know the the tone or whatever that the um, uh, that the dispatcher was using, but it's like trying to 
um, appease like a petulant child where it's like, well, baby, I mean, what do you want from me here? Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. What do you, what am I supposed to do to fix yeah. this? Yeah. So, um, her name is Catherine, by the way. I looked it up. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I knew it. So, um, so yeah, they ask her, do you want to have him arrested? And she's like, well, no, I guess not. Like, I don't want to, you know, don't want to make a big deal. I don't want to ruin his career over it's this. Too much pressure for her. Yeah. So they basically tell her, well, we'll get a message to someone. And she says, well, and they say they'll call you back. She says, well, will it be the same person who's already working on the pin notice thing for me? And he's like, yeah, you know, I can't guarantee who it's going to be. Just like whoever has time, they'll call you back. Like whatever. So they're pretty much like just, you know, whatever. So she tells, um, her roommate that she feels palmed off by the police department. Um, and rightfully so. Um, and they like, you know, we've said now she's called twice. They need to tell her what the next step should be, or they need to take a step. Like she's actively reaching out for help. And she doesn't know how to fix this. Obviously, her telling him to leave her alone isn't working. The police telling him to leave her alone isn't working. So now what? Like, that shouldn't have been a question. It should have been like, okay, well, we need to send somebody out and arrest him because he's violated right. this. Or, or whatever the that's next job. step is supposed to be. Yeah. So. It, and, yeah, I mean, what is the point of even asking for help if you know how to fix it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she tells her sister after that. They will fucking respond once he has fucking stabbed me. And, like, it's just... Because she, she knew... She knew that she was in danger, but but I don't think that she... I think that she felt scared, and I think that she felt like it could escalate, but I, I think that it kind of, in her mind, she was like, still, I'm making a big deal out of nothing. And then, like you said, the police just being like, well, you know, what do you want me to do? We'll get a message to somebody, and they'll call you back when they have time. Like, that just reaffirms... Okay, maybe this isn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, so on October the 10th, Harry drives from his barracks in Edinburgh to Alice's flat and watches her. And he takes two photos of her in her bathroom through her window. So he doesn't do anything that day. It's nighttime and he's just watching her and taking pictures of her. And then um, nine days after he received the first pin notice from the police... This will be October the 12th. Alice's roommate, Maxine, calls 999, which is their 911 number, and she reports that she found Alice covered in blood and unresponsive in their flat. So that day, she was going to her boyfriend's house after work, but she stopped home because she had left her cell phone there. So when she got home, the front door was locked, and she didn't have her key with her. So she ended up climbing through a window to get in, and when she did she found Alice laying in the bathroom floor. So she calls 999. She's hysterical. And she says that she found Alice. And you can hear her in the call. Like, it's all over the internet. So if you want to hear it, you can listen to it. But she's definitely, like, frantic. She's freaking out. And then the operator is asking, like, is she breathing? Where are the wounds? You know, just trying to, like, get information from her. And you hear this moment when she realizes that she's dead. And she's like... Oh, Alice, like she just keeps saying her name and she's like, you can like, she realizes like it's over. And so they're like, 
you know, do you know anybody who would have wanted to attack her? And at first she can't really tell where the injuries came from because there's so much blood. There's blood everywhere. She can tell that she's been beaten. She thinks that she has broken bones. Like she thinks her leg is broken. Um, and she can tell that her throat has been slashed. So she tells the operator about Harry Dillon and she says she's got this ex-boyfriend. He's been stalking her. He's been threatening her. He's been, you know, she's even contacted the police about him a few times. Um, and she says he's an absolute psychopath. So the police get there. They, you know, close off the scene and everything. Um, and they pretty much go straight for Harry. I mean, it's so obvious and they find all the, you know, things that he's been doing to stalker, all the pictures and they get all the voicemails and they see all of the letters and, um, they see that he's logged into all of her accounts and I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, and they find her blood in his car and I mean, it's, it's a lockdown case. There's no question about it. Um, and there's no way that he would have come out of that situation without any blood on him. Right. Yeah. There's so much blood. And it was almost like he didn't like it. He had to have known it was going to be obvious that, that he was the one Uh. that he was the one who, who did it. So it's almost like he didn't care to get caught. It was just that he needed to exert this, basically, if I can't have you, nobody can. And he didn't even really want her that much, it seemed like. Because he wasn't faithful to her. He didn't treat her right. But yeah. he, he had to be the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes on trial. He's found guilty of murder. Did they... Are you going to get into it, I guess? I, I should probably wait. But did they say what all wounds... Are you going to say that? They just said the only thing I found was that her throat was slashed and that she'd been beaten. So basically what he said happened is he went to her house. um, He told her he wanted to talk to her and she had been texting Mike that night. So they were texting back and forth. I think Harry knew this because he was logged into some shit. Oh, yeah. And probably watching her too. Yeah. So he knew they were talking and then... um, after so like she had gone to work that day one of her co-workers dropped her off at home at like 5 30 and then around 6 or 6 15 she's killed oh, i mean it's like immediately God. so within about a half hour of her getting home she's killed so he gets to her house he says he basically they start talking he attacks her and um she fought as hard as she could um but then he ended up slitting her throat just to make sure that she was dead but that is so sad i mean it's her up pretty bad it's so like it's, it's heartbreaking i don't even know yeah and just like and especially knowing like how much she tried to get the police involved like i just yeah I feel like that was just a real fail for her like that that really failed her as open and shut as this is it kind of reminds me of the jody area situation because she i mean the, uh, it's very different, but it's the same in the fact that it's like, bitch, do you really think no one thinks it's you? Yeah, like, exactly. Really? Yeah, you didn't hide anything yeah. about it. You've been obsessive. Who else would it be? <laughs> yeah. So the judge described his horrific attack as utter barbarism. Is that how you say that? It's barbaric, so yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because I was going to say utter barbarism. Like, no. I don't know. Okay. Well, let us know. Um, and How do you let someone know the... Well, I guess phonetically you could type it out. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's pronounced 
barbarism, but pronounced. Pronounced. Forget How do it. you Fuck pronounce it. Just go. Pronounced. Just, go. <laughs> um, just breeze past it. So, um, and her family described him as a cruel, manipulative bully. Um, he was given a life sentence with a minimum of 22 years. 22. How did I not even say what that? What are you thinking? I know. Just noggin. Yeah. Um, so after the trial concluded, there was a podcast released called It's Not Your Fault, Alice's Story. And it has three episodes. I listened to the first two. Um, in the first episode, they talked to the family and Maxine and just kind of about, you know, the relationship and kind of what happened. Um, and her mom says... You know, in order to stop domestic violence, you have to first recognize that you're in a situation of domestic violence. And it sounds silly, but in reality, so many people in these kind of relationships, you know, like we said, they only see these little isolated incidents and those in and of themselves alone aren't enough to end the relationship. So over time, they become worn down. They see punishments as being deserved or they feel like they're not good enough to be anyone other than the person who they're with and who is currently abusing them. And it just, you know, they don't, they don't see the danger that they're in. They don't realize like really what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminded me, so this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of my situation. So, but I think um, that's very, I think it's very brave of you, first of all, to share what you're going to share because, well, it is, but it's also, it's incredibly relevant, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, it really does. Like, I mean, I'm not obvious. I mean, clearly I did not have the situation such as Alice. Like you or, made it out of it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, this, this is the kind of, I mean, a lot of similar behaviors and like, it doesn't make what you went through less of an abusive relationship though. Yeah. I mean, there's all different levels and not everybody ends in, you know, in what happened to Alice, but that's where the danger is, is it can, any of it can. So you have to realize like what to, what to look for, what to see. And I think a lot of people don't. And I was young, I was in high school, but, um, I didn't realize how, how serious it was and like he there was one time when I don't even remember what he was mad about but he busted my lip and I remember telling people um I told people all different kinds of things that I had opened my car door and accidentally hit myself in the face with it and busted my lip that can happen I told (laughs) yeah I told one person that I was chewing on a pin and it busted because my bruise was kind of like a dark blue started out Um, they didn't buy that. Um, he, after I had my hernia surgery, he hit me in the stomach hard enough that I had to have a second surgery to repair where he had ripped it back open. Um, again, I didn't realize that was, you know, I was just like, oh, I made him mad. Like I shouldn't have said what I said. And I think it's easy too, like to be on the outside of it and maybe hear what you just said and be like, dude, if he's hitting you, but if you're that deep in it. And I think paired with being young and one of your, you know, first big relationships and things like yeah. that. And I mean, there's never any excuse to behave that way, but there's never any excuse to, um, like victim shame. 
yeah. either. And so I, I can't imagine because I'm your sister. I mean, we've always been close, close, close. And I didn't know it was happening. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because he was. It. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, he's just he was so charismatic and so fun to be around. Yeah. And like, you know, it just it wasn't fathomable. No, it's yeah, it's he was a completely different person around people. And then when we were alone and and he he did that on purpose like it's you have to because i remember being jealous of your relationship you yeah. know what i mean like oh i wish i could find that mm-hmm. yeah and like oh what was i gonna say what were you we saying well, i don't know but um victim shaming no okay oh that you didn't even realize it so like part of me didn't realize that what was going on wasn't right. And it was my first really big relationship. So I kind of felt like, I mean, that sets the precedent. Of yeah. What? I didn't really have anything else to compare it to, but at the same time I had to have known in some way that it wasn't right because I would try to hide things and I would try to make stuff up about it. And I didn't want anybody to know. And, but I do wonder too, you know, like in, I don't know, you can look back on it and say whatever you want to say, but with that specific case, and I'm sure it, it can happen all over the place, but like with Alice's friends, they could, they noticed, you know, like something's going on here and that that's not right. But with your situation, I felt like because he was so, he was very popular and he was very, like I said, charismatic and super mm-hmm. funny and all this stuff. I can't imagine anybody red flagged you. No. You yeah. know? Yeah. He had everybody fooled. Yeah, exactly. And there was one day I'd found out that he was dating another girl. Like he would talk to me about her. And then he started saying like, you know, I'd talked to him one night. He had gotten home really late and I'm like, Oh, you know, what have you been doing? Or, you know, why are you just now getting home? And he's like, Oh, I, you know, took this girl to dinner. And then he started like telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, you don't even take me to dinner. Like, I think you're dating this girl. And so I said something to him about it at school one day. It was after school and we were walking in the hallway and he like grabbed me by my throat and like shoved me up against the lockers and my feet were not touching the ground anymore. Like he was holding me up by my throat. And at the end of that situation, I was just like, I remember saying something like, you're right. You should be able to hang out with whoever you want to hang out with. You should be able to do whatever you want. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. Like I ended up apologizing to him for bringing it up and upsetting him. Were you crying at that moment? Oh yeah, I was crying. And like nobody else was there. Like it was somehow all the halls that, you know, we were around were completely empty. It was in D hall, which like nobody ever went to D hall. But, um, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's that kind of thing where it's like, you, you just don't think that, you don't see it. Like you can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we had somebody. And you probably wanted everything to be okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah it's like... I mean, I had liked him for so long. It was like a full year and a half that I wanted to date him before that. And I was just like, Oh, he's so popular. And if I could just date him, then, you know, I just, I liked him that so very much. High school. It, yeah. yeah. It was just like, he's perfect. Like everything I saw about him was perfect from the outside. And, um, it wasn't until we had somebody come and talk to us about domestic violence and it was a class that I was aiding for. So I wasn't actually like in that class, but I was just aiding for it. And so I didn't listen to the woman when she was talking. So I was like, this doesn't apply to me. I don't need to listen to this. And this is just my aid class. Like I'm just like sitting here for the credit basically. And she gave everybody a little like trifold brochure and it had all these little lines on it of things that like if 
if you have been in this situation in your relationship or if this happens in your relationship, like you check it off and you can a survey. Yeah. yeah. If you answer so many of them, like check off so many of them, then you're considered in an abusive relationship. And it was, you know, front and back, like it's a trifold thing. So I guess one of the folds would have been like the cover of it, but then all the rest of them were like single, you know, line or like maybe a couple lines. There's a lot of things on there. And when I finished it, I only left two boxes not checked. I remember that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in an abusive relationship and I did not even realize this. And I was just like, how did this happen? Like how, how did I get into this and be in it for this long and not realize it? Like, and I would have done anything to stay with him. And he made me feel so stupid. He always said to me, how are you this stupid? Like he would, you know, all the time just ask me why I was so fucking stupid. Why could I not understand this or that or whatever? And, you know, not to be whatever, but like academically, he was not very smart. <laughs> like he didn't, you know, I, I got really good. I had like a 3.8 GPA in high school. I was not a dumb person. Like, yeah. Common sense. I don't have a ton of, I'll tell you that, but like, <laughs> well, but like let's put things in perspective here. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I mean, you know, he just, he made me feel so not good enough and always that I was couldn't do anything right and I was just an idiot and you know what was I ever going to do without him like nobody would ever want to be with somebody this stupid and um and stuff like that so I just didn't understand like how I even got to this point and we weren't raised that way we were raised to stand up for ourselves and you know but I just I didn't even realize it was happening and so I ended the relationship I knew that if I stayed it would get worse and, um, at that point he started stalking me, which he had already been stalking me when we were dating. And that's why I said Harry was probably stalking Alice before too. Cause I would, I worked at a restaurant, um, was it Magia? Do you remember that mm-hmm. little restaurant? It was, yeah. So in the front, it was like part of a, um, store, like a strip, strip mall thing. Yeah. So in the front were just windows and, I worked at the, I was like the cashier at the restaurant. So I was behind, like it was all part of the kitchen and you could see the kitchen and whatever. So he would, I would go to work at like four and I would get off at like 10 or 11 or whatever, just depending on how long it took to close up. And he would pull in and he would park in the front spot right in front of the window. And he'd sit there from the time I got there until the time I left. And then he would leave. He wouldn't still be there when I'm walking out. Like, he wouldn't be there and be like, hey, let's go do something. He would just watch me, and then he would leave. And so he would get mad at me if I talked to any of the guys in the kitchen, which I had to do to give them orders. And also, I worked with them, so, you know, we'd joke around or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if I talked to any of them, he's like, "You're, you're cheating on me with that guy. You're, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what? No, I'm just work with that guy. Or even if I checked, you know cashed out a male customer somebody came in for a to-go order and I talked to them for all of 20 seconds to take their money I was I was cheating on him with that guy like or I looked at him too long or I smiled at him too many times like he would pay attention to all of that stuff and he'd sit there for hours and in my stupid little high school mind I thought it was sweet that he would sit there and wait on me at work Uh, I don't even I mean you look at it now and you're like idiot like obviously he was stalking you that's so weird well, but there's not one person in the world that can't say that they made some really dumb decisions in high school yeah that's true so and then 
he would drive by our house all the time. And we live far out. We I mean, like, there was no... He had no business being that far out. No. The only reason you go that far out is to go to where you're going. Like, you yeah. would never pass through it for any reason whatsoever. So, you know, he would stop by. He'd put stuff in the mailbox. He'd pull in the driveway, turn around. Um, that's when Dad started keeping his gun by the door. I remember that. He was like, if he comes, if he comes up to the house... Because he was definitely harassing me and stalking me um and he would um after oh so he started driving by the house he started I don't know if you remember this he started following me around in the hallways at school with a video camera and he'd just videotape me walking. I had no idea that he was doing this. And somebody mentioned it to me at school. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, he walks behind you with a video camera. I'm like, what? Are you serious? So oh I asked him gosh. about it. And he said he was making a video. And it was going to get us back together. And I was like, are you serious? And then he asked um, our cousin for baby pictures of me. Because he wanted to put them together for the video. And she was like, no, I'm not giving you baby pictures of her. That's weird. Um, and then he got a job at the restaurant that I worked at. He started working there. And I was really uncomfortable with it, but I didn't say anything. And he um, he was working in the kitchen, so I had to deal with him. And then I know that one of the guys who worked in the kitchen, he had worked there the whole time I had worked there um, was like, after work one day, he was like, I need to talk to you about something. And he was like, when we went outside for like our break, he said, um, somebody said something about my butt and the pants I was wearing or whatever. And he was it like, it should be known that Terrell has got a great butt. It's one of my best. <laughs> no. Um, but he was like, he flipped out on everybody and said that if any of us talked to you again, he was going to kill us. And I was like, Oh my God. And, um, I mean, he was just like off his freaking rocker. And so mom ended up taking out an order of protection against him on my behalf. Cause I was 17 and I remember being so mad at her and thinking you're making a big deal out of nothing. This is so stupid. I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, and they actually arrested him at school and they pulled him out of second period and he's reading a Bible at his desk and so many people were upset with me and they thought I was making it up and, you know, cause everybody loved him. He was fun loving. He was, you know, this guy that everybody liked to be around and not many people saw that other side of him and, one girl actually made t-shirts that like said his name and is my hero on them. And people, well, cause that was when, you know, we would like iron on the letters all the oh, time. Yeah, so yeah. those were like really big then. So a bunch of people made shirts that said he was their hero and they wore them at school. Oh, wow. And I mean, that obviously showed me where I stood. Like mm -hmm. they thought I was making it up. And I mean, I, I get it. They didn't see that side of him, so they didn't know. But they didn't even try to believe you. No, nobody asked me none of that. So he ended up pleading guilty to stalking and harassment. So why didn't nobody asked him if it was, you know, like if, what you wouldn't plead guilty if you didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I think of something like that, like, yeah, why would you plead guilty? I mean, I yeah. know why there's false confessions for other things and stuff like that, but this isn't an Alfred plea. This is, uh, he's like, yeah, I admit to it. And there was so much proof. I had all the letters. He would, 
he would show up at my work or sometimes he'd wait for me. Sometimes he wouldn't, he'd be gone already. But as after he flipped out on everybody and then my mom took her mom took out the, um, you can claim her. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, took out the order of protection. They fired him there cause, and my boss felt so bad. He was like, I had no idea any of that stuff was going on. I didn't even know who he was. Um, so he fired him and then he would start leaving letters on my car and he would actually, it was like creepy. Like he would cut out, he would buy all these books on like self-help or like read articles and magazines about like relationships and how to get back together with your ex and stuff like that. So he'd cut out passages and he'd glue them to these papers and put them on my car and they would, some of them would be like five, six pages long of just like stuff he'd cut out of different things and how it applied to us. And he'd like cut out whole pages or like tear out whole pages and highlight things. Yeah. Good little scrapbook. Like highlight things and like draw arrows to stuff that he thought applied to us. And like all these things, it was just really All this effort that he was putting in could have gone to something, you know, like have gone to like actually being treating me well in our right. relationship like it's just yeah. to, show, to show that what that uh, sword and scale got you know like in in the right hands this is yep. what happened yeah because it he's yeah I mean it's that seems could seem really sweet to somebody and like oh he really wants to get back together but he was just really creepy and aggressive mm-hmm. with it and um so we had the order of protection he got fired from the restaurant. He pled guilty in court. And they asked me, what did I want to do? Did I want to settle that day and just be done with it? Or did I want to like move forward and say, you know, did I want to move forward and make sure that he had some sort of a punishment? And it was so long ago, I kind of don't really remember exactly what like that next step would be. But I knew I would have to go to court again and I would have to see him again in court. And that terrified me. So I said, I just want to settle it. I want to be done with it. So we ended up settling it. And the terms were that he, it wouldn't show up on his record after a couple of years. Nobody would know, you know, that it happened. It would just go away. But that meant I didn't have to go back to court and, and do anything else with it. I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. I wanted it to be behind us. And he actually showed up in court uh, when we settled everything with um our youth pastor from church and I kind of felt I mean he was in the band at church and everything so like I get that he was close to this guy but I went to the youth group too I mean we were there every Wednesday night so the youth pastor was choosing sides so to speak I mean obviously (laughs) and that really upset me I was like nobody even bothered to ask and he's sitting here pleading guilty He's sitting here admitting to all of this stuff saying, yeah, I followed her. Yeah, I did this and that. Like, but it didn't really seem to matter. So well, that just shows how just how powerful a manipulator he. Yeah, for sure. Is I don't think he's. No, I'm sure he's reformed or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it was it would go into effect for a few years because he was already 18 at the time. He was older than me. And so it would go into effect for a few years. I can't remember exactly how long. Um, and he, he broke it. I mean, all the time he broke it, he would show up to, he wasn't supposed to be where I was. He knew that. And he'd show up to places that I, he knew I was going to be. And I changed which church service I went to so that I wouldn't be going to the same one as him. And he knew that. So he would show up to that one. And I called the cops a few times to report that, Hey, I'm at this place and he's not supposed to be here. 
um, stuff that was happening for my class. I was a senior that year. He would show up too. He had no business being there. Because he was he a would be junior. There. He was a junior, yeah. Yeah. And um, they would just say, well, I mean, what do you want us to do? Like, we can come there, but by the time we get there, he'll probably be gone. So you should just leave. Like, if you're not comfortable with it, you should go somewhere else. So you have to be punished for everything. Yeah, I'm like, well, but this is my thing. Like, I'm here with my, like, why am I the one who has to leave? I didn't do anything. Like, he's the one who has been served this order of protection. So yeah, it didn't matter. Like, yeah, they basically were just like, you know, whatever. And he came to graduation, which I'm sure he had other friends that graduated, but that's the point. Yeah. But I, it was my graduation. He knew I was going to be there and he wasn't supposed to be in the same building as me. Yeah. So he went there and he sat like two rows behind our cousins and they overheard him saying that he was going to wait for me outside and he was going to bash my head in with a big rock. Like, and so he actually went, our cousin went and found an officer that was there and told him what was going on and what they'd heard him say. And they made him leave. Um, so that was the one time they actually made him leave anywhere. Um, and then like a year or so later, I was out with my friends and he was happened to be at the same bar and I didn't see him. And my friend was like, he's here. And she was like, he saw you. And the look on his face was like pure evil. And she was like, he's beelining across the dance floor to come get to you. And so we just hurried up and left. But she was like, that was scary. Like the way that he looked at you. I mean, he was just awful. And after that, I had a few of his ex-girlfriends call and say thanks for doing something because he was that way with me and it got worse and worse and you know somebody had to say something at some point like it was just going to get worse so I mean hopefully you know he's gotten better I don't know if he has or not but you know after hearing Alice's story and just knowing that she didn't she tried and there I think that the system is broken for people who are being stalked or who are being abused and who actually do try to get help because there is no registry for stalking and stalking wasn't even recognized as a crime until pretty recently. I mean, it, it hasn't been something that was ever taken seriously and, and it is serious. Well, I mean, but I think see... that that's like the attitude or the general consensus and not to say every police officer, every person, feels that way but I just feel like I don't know the the attitude has been like well I mean it's not that big of a deal or um you know or did they say they're gonna kill you well if they're not saying they're gonna kill you then what's the problem how threatening are they really though yeah and we've seen it with like cases that we've covered or cases that we've seen celebrity stalkings like things like that I mean it Nobody, as far as I've ever seen, nobody's ever stalked until they've had their fill and been like, okay, I'll back off now. Like, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's a thing. It's yeah. it's a it's a real crime. And I think it's just really sad to me because why should, and obviously, I don't mean it like why should anybody um, prosecute or take it seriously because I think that it's, it, you, you should, obviously. I mean, it's very, very serious. But what makes a victim want to come forward if they don't get taken seriously. Yeah, exactly. Because either, most of the time you're either told like, okay, well, you know, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. Or people don't believe you. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of women 
who will allege domestic violence and things like that when it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, same in, you know, like rape situations and stuff too. But, but it's also, it's almost like you're punished if you do report it mm-hmm. and you're punished if you do let somebody know and ask for help. Yeah. <clears throat> and nobody believes you. So it's like, you're almost just like, well, there's no point in saying anything because nobody's going to help. And that's exactly what happened to Alice, unfortunately. And I just feel like she did every, she did the right things by taking the steps. It's not like she was, you know, even going back out with him over and over and over again and stuff like that. Like she stood strong and I'm not going to talk to you and I don't want you around. And I've reported you to the police and, you know, her roommate knew that she was scared for her life and her sister knew and like, you know, she's telling people this is going on and uh, that system failed her. It's just, you know, so if, if you see anybody in that situation or if there's, or if you're in that situation, tell somebody and, and there are things that can be done, but, um, you know, unfortunately we've got a really long way to go with that, with that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, just knowing that, that helping somebody get help or getting help yourself, um, you know, there's, there's the domestic violence hotline here. Um, you know, hopefully there's things in every country, you know, that you can do. I know in, uh, the United Kingdom, Laura Richards, who does real crime profile, she, um, is like a co-founder of a, an organization all about, helping women who have been stalked and abused and stuff like that. So she's really working hard to get legislation changed and to get these people on a violent offender registry because it is a crime Um, and they need to know about it. And actually Harry Dillon had been engaged before Alice and he had, she had a restraining order against him because he had become very violent when she tried to end the relationship and things like that. And you know, again, Alice had no way of knowing that. Harry's not going to tell her that. So it's just we don't have any way of knowing when somebody has abusive tendencies like that. Right. Or if they've been, you know, um, not prosecuted, but, you know, had action taken against them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you do have a way to check something like that, I mean, it's just another, another resource that you have. And now that I'm older, I wish I hadn't gone for the option where... It got expunged because now there's no record of it. And, like, who does that help, you know? I mean, it got me out of the situation where I was scared to be in. But that's it, you know? So um, I think there's just a lot that needs to be done. But definitely um, an important story Alice struggles to, to know and to raise awareness and hopefully help somebody else. And they, her family, has started the Alice Trust, which is educating people about this kind of thing so they're doing what they can to help prevent it from happening to other people so that's the case well um very important one thank you for sharing that one yep yep and um thanks everybody for bearing with us because (laughs) baby's only three weeks so he's on the podcast (laughs) we're trying but we do appreciate all the support and like she said just the understanding i guess so oh yeah and shout out to wolf bitch oh yeah wolf bitch shared us on instagram (laughs) and we got a couple of other good reviews um 
And we'll shout them out a time when the baby's not getting pissed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't forgotten about you and we love you. No. Yes. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Good week. Enjoy everything. Life and has to offer you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you next time. All right. Okay. Bye.